It's Cofield and Company. The show was always hobbled in some doing, way. Uh, Mentally with Ari around. I was doing some... Uh, Physically with Adam around. Sure. You're in a bubble. So get out of the bubble. Talk to real people. There's no less healthy show in the country. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Steve Cofield, Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is the company. Uh, You and I both just noticed a... uh, Running back signing in the National Football League. We got lots of NFL coming up this hour. Mark Ross, former exec with the Eagles and Giants, now working for NFL Network, is going to join us in about 30 minutes. But the Dolphins have signed a well-traveled running back. Who is it? They they just signed Sony Michelle. Uh, they already obviously added Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert this offseason to a stable of running backs that already included Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed, who've been pretty pretty reliable for them the last couple of years. Uh the Mike McDaniel football porn run game is going to look very, very fun. It's got to keep some of them healthy, right? Especially Mostert. My God, if, sure. they get, if they get 80% of, you know, full year Mostert from San Fran in Miami, that's gigantic. That's your point out. Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ackman don't have guaranteed deals, so they're going to re- be in a real battle prior for the fourth running back spot. Raiders, let's see. Running back room, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Brandon Bolden, Mir Abdullah, Britton Brown, Zamir White, they signed Sincere McCormick, Trey Ray. Nope, he got he got released last week. Trey Regis. He gone. Preseason okay. superstar Trey Regis. You think he can play running back in the NFL or Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Damn. Getting rid of a decent backup? Well, is there also, eighth guy? <laughs> it, anyone can play running back in the NFL. Well, that's not true, and that anyone can play running back in the NFL. Don't be ridiculous. Anyone that's a talented running back yes. can play running back. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Can anyone play left guard in the NFL? That's tough. Okay, tough spot. A lot of respect for those guys, huh? Oh yeah. Did you uh, meet up with uh, Big Fella, My guy Iggy Iggs, Rich, Richie Incognito, Zona guy, right? Zona area guy. Was he at? He was at UFC over the weekend. I don't think anybody ever called him Iggy Iggs. <laughs> about, about the seventh time I've called him that on the air. Yeah, I mean. Very, very quick conversation. Uh, really with, no reason to call him Iggy Iggs. His name is Incognito, so with, it's not, not even close. With Inky my, Ink. My guy, Richie Incognito. Yeah. Um, I was sitting like I was sitting next to a full Cardinal section, uh, which was Kyler Murray, Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz, uh, Julie Ertz, the newly – I was going to say I don't think it's secret now, and I did say – I saw she announced it, but very pregnant, Julie Ertz, uh, former U.S. women's soccer team star. She better be for your sake. She, she announced it on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Um, or on Instagram, I think it was. Uh, Las Rod- Vegas radio host. Calls also, Julie Ertz fat. Also, Rodney Hudson, a former Raider, who was with Andre James and Colton Miller. So oh, a lot of guys. Oh, look at here. I don't know. Is that what we do now on Twitter? Recruiting? Yeah. No, I just, every everyone we see, it's like, oh. Well, trust me, of all that group. Adam's prediction came true. Three months later, whatever he's predicting. Uh, wait, what? Yeah. No, just It's oh. just this whole thing now where. I spoke to Incognito, and he said, "Stay tuned." Well, the, well the, Adam got it. So that's the fun. That's the Adam funny part. Adam got it. Incognito will land in, uh, you know, freaking with the Chiefs. Good call, Adam. Yeah. No, that's the. You that's said the, you got him to say, "Stay tuned." That's the. Well, first of all, the thing I noticed was that DeAndre Hopkins was not there. 
uh, one pass catcher for the Cardinals. Not there. Uh, but, yeah, I talked to Richie, like, very quickly. Just asked him how he was doing, how he's feeling. Richie. And, uh, and then I said, any chance you want to comment on your future? And he's like, no. Nah. I was like, come on. You, you coming back? Not asking if he's coming back to the Raiders. And what did he say? Basically, if he's going to play. He say? Did he say no? If he's going to play. Did he say no? And he started Raiders? He started to say something. And then he goes, ah, just stay tuned. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. My impression Breaking is that, news, Raiders. Well, no, but, but oh, I, what I, Sorry. what I was getting. I'm just at, playing every Twitter hack now. No, it's it's different. Okay. People were like, "Why would the Raiders even want him?" I was like, "I didn't say he was coming back to the I Raiders." Knew, first I knew of all. when you when you put that out, it was just like, like I was asking if he's coming back to play football, right? And and, and people are just attacking, and then some people <laughs> are like, what? some people are like. Like you didn't even talk to him. Like okay, I mean that that's fine. I okay, that's whatever. Um, it, it's just silly. Why? What? What is there to report? I'm like I'm not reporting anything. I'm just saying I asked him he's coming back to play football because he's an older guy who's coming off injuries, who's a free agent. It's kind of interesting if he's planning on playing or not. And I, I will say my sense, either <laughs> it's gonna be two very different things. There we go. Either he's planning a retirement announcement, which I don't. It didn't seem that way. Or like he's trying to play somewhere and it's it's getting close. So I, I do think based on just his attitude, kind of where how he's talking, I think he wants to play. I don't know if anything's gonna happen. Uh but doesn't necessarily mean with the Raiders, could be anywhere. But Richie Incognito seemed interested in playing football and he said he's healthy. Mark it down. Prediction. He's coming back. Mark it down. No predictions. That's what Adam said. That's what he wrote. That's what he meant. I was hoping he would tell me something that I could report, but he please, really please just tweet out James Bradbury with some eyes. And then, like, two weeks from now, if they sign him, you're like, I got it. I think everyone else on the beat's already done that today, so. I got it. What do they need in terms of money? And is this the kind of stuff that gets cleared up after June 1st, where they're going to have some yeah. room to pay a guy, you know. First of all, I, I, he, do you think he's going to go for, like, $8 mil a year when he was making good money? We've seen the last couple of, of late-signing defensive backs, like Honey Badger and Gilmore, still get good deals. Yeah, He's not going to come cheap, right? I don't think so. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, people are talking about the Chiefs being one possibility, and mm. I, I don't know what kind of money they have. Um, they always have money. There is no salary cap for the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, it's ridiculous. I mean, the Giants just literally had to cut one of their best players because of the salary cap. So there's That is cap. pretty telling if the Rams and the Chiefs can keep signing people and the Giants can't get out of cap hell. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Gettleman. Good work. Good work, DJ. Or hire a better capologist. Uh, that's probably what I would imagine is the is the right way to go. If, if the Raiders don't get Bradbury, then what? Well, I don't, I don't think they're in a desperate situation necessarily. Okay. But I think they need to bolster their secondary for sure. I think they need help there. But, I mean, I think they have their – they're okay with their starters right now. They don't have much depth. And it's not, you know, you know they're not the Legion of Boom – at this point, but they are their starters okay. both to be relied upon from a health standpoint. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. You don't have depth. That's a question mark. Uh, but I think they'd be okay going into the season with these starters. I think you also, but you do need depth and you do need, you do need to start thinking about the future a little bit. Um, there's definitely some things that need to be addressed. I'm trying to see if the, uh, if Spotrack has updated the, I, still, I don't know if it's Spotrack, Spotrack. I don't know how it goes, but um, they usually do the uh, update, the market value of guys that are newly free agents. Um, but calculated market value for Bradbury, oof, three years, thirty-six million. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. It's not. It's not going to be seven or eight mil. Twelve a year. Not when older guys were going for eleven and whatever, thirteen, fourteen. Last couple of weeks. Oof, a lot. 
They got some finagling to do. The Raiders are going to have. They got some finagling to do in the cap to make sure they're a little more loaded at cornerback. And the other spot with them is that they they do clear money up after June first, but is Brad? It's only it's only three weeks. But is Bradbury like? Uh, I'm going to take a deal now, and I'm not going to wait for you to, you know, promise me something that could happen. Now. I don't know. I don't know what he wants to do, uh, and I don't know how they want to commit to him. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. If he does take less, I, I doubt it, but uh, there seems there's probably going to be a bidding war for him. He's been very good the last couple of years. Number four. I'm not going to wait for you to promise me something. Pete DeBoer. Okay. I just wonder what he's thinking right now. He got in front of you guys last Monday. Foley's given the vote of confidence to uh, GMKM. Kelly McCrimmon, the GM, to come back. It's been a week. Yeah. What's going on here? Well, this is also, by the and way. And on top of that, Barry Trotz, who is going to be a hot to trot, free agent coach, Ooh. is available. Yes. Now, I don't know what happened with the Islanders. Doesn't uh, Joe, Joe Quinneville want to, want to come back to <laughs> Uh I mean, you laugh. Barry Trotz would be an attractive guy for, for sure. Now again, I don't. You know, you never know if it's a, there's management matches, mismatches, all that stuff. So oh, Barry Trotz, who beat the Golden Knights in a finals. So uh, yeah, I, and by the way, I'll also say, you know, I've talked about it before. I know a lot of people in the Capitals organization. He is beloved, absolutely beloved. So, you know, I, I now does Barry Trotz want to come to this? Yeah, I that's a Vegas fair Knight situation. Fair question. I mean, he's he's going to be an attractive candidate, but how many jobs are going to be open? How many jobs this attractive are going to be open where you have a contender? Uh, I, I think um, it's possible. But, I'll, like, will coaches start – if they if they kept a bore only to see who else was out there, which is kind of what they did with Gallant also, mm-hmm. how many coaches are going to start looking and saying, like, you're just hiring me until you find the guy that you want, the next guy? Like, that's – that. It hasn't been confirmed that's what happened with the board, but I think a lot of people's impression is that the reason Gallant was fired is not because he was struggling or because obviously there was a a long-running internal debate about the use of analytics and Gallant didn't like them and all that, but that they saw DeBoer was available. He had been fired and like, oh, that's the guy we want. Get out. We're going to bring him in. And now if they do this and say, like, well, we're going to keep you until, oh, Barry Trotz is there. Okay, now we're going to fire you for him. That, that does start to be a pattern among coaches of like, do I really want to go into that job where – Really, they're just they're only keeping a place until they find the next guy they want. Number three. I'd like to make a segue to Jack McKinney, to Paul Westhead, to Pat Riley, but I won't do that. But winning time, it's over. It's over. Um, it before so. you break it down, I'm going to say the last episode was a D. Yeah, it wasn't good. I didn't think it was a great last episode. Without ruining it for people who haven't watched the final episode of the, the Lakers show on HBO. I mean, there are some things that are known. You know at the end of this, they're going to win the title. So they won the title. Yeah. Good, good. Give me your thoughts. No, I, I thought, well, I, I don't know if it was disappointing because it was disappointing or just it wasn't as good as the other episodes or that I was just watching it sad knowing it was the end. <laughs> like, I didn't want it to end. I, I thought they did episodes. way too much of the basketball game. Way too much. Way too much of game six in 1980 and... Am I a weenie if I say it? Eh, I mean, the embellishment, I just didn't see the need for it. Wait, which parts? Okay. So, I was surprised they put the final score up on the board. Were you even paying attention? No. Okay. 
So the way they describe it, first of all, let's set it up. Everyone, people who are alive then following NBA, they know that was like as good as Magic was his whole rookie year, and they got him. He got him to the finals. Kareem goes down in Game Five. They got a Game Six on the road against a gigantic Sixers team, and Magic went out and played one of the best games of his career, and he played center. Right, and he scored forty-two points. So that's the story. Kareem couldn't play. His, his his ankle was all jacked up. He gutted through a game five. He's all jacked up. Well, they actually won game six, won 23-107. Well, they showed him pulling away at the end. Okay, but there were two and a half minutes left. It was 104-103. Michael Cooper gets smashed. They embellished that a little bit, too. He, he didn't have smelling salts on the court, to my knowledge, right? Um, it actually wasn't a head injury, but they had him come up, get up with smelling salts. Michael Cooper hits two threes. I'm sorry, two free throws. They push out to a three-point lead. They get a steal. They they essentially went on a 17-4 run in two minutes and 12 seconds. So that wasn't the case because the score was – I don't want to get on all the details. It was what it was, was a little score? earlier in the – it was 95-89 at the time. Okay. It was a little earlier in the fourth quarter. and um, But it made for a good story. But it was kind of like, you know, Magic's dying out there. He had 42. They were acting like Magic was like Willis Reed. Like they, he's walking off the court. <laughs> well, they were saying it was because he was so – he had had such a good game, though. Yeah. But it was like, I don't have it. They, they were up. Yeah, they, 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 were, they were up 10 going to the fourth quarter. They were up 10 going to the fourth it's, quarter. It said that. In the, it said they that won in by the, 16. Right, but so. it said that in the. Okay. I mean, they, they they added a little bit to it. Yeah. So, it's so I, I, I didn't love they that they concentrated that, so much on the game because I wasn't, you know, watching whoever, by the way, the casting of, of Dr. J. I mean, that guy, he's older than me. It is so weird. Why do they make him so old? I mean, he was older. Is it 53? And then I swear there was a I don't I don't want to get into the, the whole height thing too sometimes gets me. Like I swear to God, they showed Daryl Dawkins across the screen. He was like 5'11. <laughs> was the Chocolate the, Thunder, man. Come the, on. The Dr. J one is the one that throws The Dr. J one. They really, <laughs> they really screwed that up. Uh, but what? Uh, Spencer Haywood wound up calling off, the, off hit. the hit. Yeah. Okay. He didn't. And, and apparently, in, like, I, I was trying to think back because I did read the book just a while ago. Yeah. Like, apparently, the hit was only on. Westfall. Oh, oh, yeah, only on West Head. West Head, too. Yeah, me. was only on the coach. Yeah. There really? was a little confusion, and Spencer Haywood, who's a local, um, yeah, he did he he, he he did confirm it. Oh, yeah. He was, like, whacked out of his mind, and he put out a freaking hit on the coach. Yeah. and then, but then they even, booted him off the team for the playoffs. Yeah, then even in the in the show, like, the, the hit is on the team, and then yeah. the guy's like, oh, it's, I'm just killing the coach, right? And he's like, no, the whole team, like, okay, this that's weird. It was, a lot of those things are weird, and they, they didn't. As you said, the whole episode is about basketball, which they, they had so many loose ends to tie up, and they're like 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden, the, like Jerry Buss's sons are all of a sudden now in the show? I know. They put, like, what, they what? Put, they put uh, Johnny and Jimmy in, and uh, and uh, well, I'm a, a genie is all pissed off. Like, it was kind of, it's like hinting at what we know that they're both giant, you know, pain in the ass. And, and Johnny is like flunk, uh, real flunky. Jerry was, you know, he just. He screwed up a bunch, but she was upset about that. I'm trying to think of some other stuff they shoehorned into her. Like, like it's funny. We were talking about embellishment, although the one thing you did believe, there was a line from supposedly a member of Larry Bird's family, oh, yeah. and you're like, yep, Larry Bird's family, <laughs> they're racist. Like, you just you just take that. Of course. That That's happened. fact. That's fact. <laughs> from Indiana. <laughs> yes, of course. Overall, the show was awesome. Uh, they unearthed some topics that were probably taboo. Uh, I still think Jerry West came out of it pretty well. So do I. Although, watching game six, he was like a lunatic running around the arena. He couldn't watch because he was that, so competitive. That seems like it's true. Like, I've heard that about him. I just think most people knew him as this gentlemanly older guy and not that he was they, a, a, he's a not, maniacal competitor. He's not ungentlemanly. 
He's just very passionate. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't. I like if I were him, he now he to me he's come off bad saying how mad he was about the portrayal. Like wait till the end. Yeah. You, I thought he was a, a redeeming character in the show. So uh, that to me it's silly that he was so mad about it early on, and other people were mad about it too. I thought he was a, one of the more likable characters in the show. Coming up, we got Golden State of Memphis going at it. Uh, we'll look for an update here on John Morant. But what did I tell you last week? When things start getting physical both ways, eventually one of the really you know good star players was going to get knocked out of the series, and Memphis is pissed. They're like, you knocked John Moran out of the series. And, of course, Golden State now is like, oh, nothing to see here. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, we're still waiting. We're still waiting on uh, John Morant's update. Uh, right now in the NBA, Celtics and the Bucks going at it. Celtics have uh, moved out to a three-point lead. Three minutes left in the first half. It's 43-40. Um, while we wait on the update for John Morant for this game between Golden State and Memphis, that's a 7 o'clock start. Warriors lead the series 2-1. Steve Carr will not coach the game tonight. Why? So they're bringing in the coach of the Kings? Bringing in the coach of the Sacramento Kings to coach the what? (laughs) Yeah, Mike Brown, who just got the job in Sacktown, is going to take over for Steve Carr. Why? Uh, Carr has tested positive for COVID. Uh, I feel like this is like a McKinney, Westhead, and... uh, and Pat Riley situation. So you're thinking Mike Brown, former Lakers and Cavs coach, could take over from here. Kerr doesn't recover for weeks from COVID. We're not hoping for that. That would be terrible. He doesn't recover. Mike Brown wins the title and then just keeps the job in Golden State, and the Kings don't have a coach like first week or second week of June. Well, the Kings could get Kerr. No. Oh, are we? No, no. I think I think I overextended there. Kerr's going to come back. I think so. This isn't a bike accident where he's got – Post-concussion syndrome for years. Although McKinney came back, I think, the next year to coach. But apparently never got over the uh, bike accident. But I, (laughs) you know what? I don't know that for a fact because you know who actually told me about that? The the Minister of Research as we're watching TV shows, the SO. She told me that. That just popped in my head. I'm like, I never looked it up. So I'm just going on stuff that the SO says. Well, he said, he told him he was going to come back and beat him the next year. But I thought he never came back. Uh, He coached the Kansas City Kings. And the Pacers, I think. I okay. think both. Good. One or the other. I don't know. We'll look up. A lot of things to look up today. Uh, uh, so, so, yeah, we need to look up music. music. Yeah. So, John Morant may or may not play tonight. Uh, here's the Grizz coach, Taylor Jenkins, who, do we believe him or not? Is he playing possum here? John was playing great, feeling great all game. And, um, you know, the, the grab of the knee is what triggered uh, the potential injury and why we took John out of the game. So, uh, nothing's changed from there uh, in terms of that was the play uh, that triggered this. And, you know, he's got further evaluation going on. That's job who I'm talking about um, with his knee. But from what I've been told right now, there's probably a really good chance he doesn't play tomorrow. So there you go. That was yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, fact, Jordan Poole intentionally injured John ja Morant's leg. As I predicted that the Warriors would fire back with some retribution for the GP2 injury, and we saw it unfold. Uh, Steve Carr's like, oh, it must be a slow news day. This is yesterday. No, their best player's out. 
One of your guards grabs his leg. Why did he? Why was he grabbing his leg? Trying to get the ball. By grabbing his leg and pulling it backwards? No, it, it, it happened just because his leg planted at a certain time. Oh, stop. Time. He was not grabbing his This is was, so obvious. You suggest he did this on purpose? Break the code. <laughs> okay. Break the code. I, I, I love it. The Warriors are, are up in arms when GP2 goes down, falls awkwardly, breaks an elbow. Oh, they broke the code. Dylan Brooks broke the code. Jordan Poole, uh, Poole pulls a knee. Best <laughs> player's knee. Pulls it back. I thought you were kidding earlier. And you said, no, no, not purpose. at all. And then, by the way, John Morant <laughs> tweeted out, uh, broke the code. And then deleted it because he was all worked up, which I would be. Yeah, Thursday, dude. Purpose. Come on. This is a re- your rent spot. Uh, yeah, I, I predicted all this. Draymond gets it rolling, and then, you know, then the Warriors have to freaking, they got to protect all their good players. So let's take out the best player for the Grizz before they take out Clay or Poole or, most importantly, Steph. If, it, if it, I laid it all out for you last week. I would say if that was done on purpose, first of all, if that was done on purpose, that was the greatest timing in the history of sports. I like you just have to applaud. Somebody. Hey guys, any opportunity to twist him up, you do it. Yeah, you just have to. Easy as that. You just have to applaud. If if he pulled that off on purpose, you you just have you can't even be mad. You just have to applaud the greatest physical act, like acts of all time. Like he somehow pulled the perfect timing of swiping at the knee at the exact right time. Did you not see planted. the whole? Did you not see when Jordan Poole dropped to the ground and tried to pull in a heel hook? You didn't see that part. No. Okay, that didn't happen. I didn't see that. Yeah. I just saw when he went for the ball and he missed and he, he had the leg, but he it was the go, He didn't go timing. for the ball. The ball was five feet away. He reached out and pulled his knee. I mean, again. The Grizz believe he did it on purpose. They do. And it's silly. If if they, like I said. Well, just like Dylan Brooks didn't break someone's elbow on purpose, he went in and fouled hard and banged a guy in the head, jumped into the hoop, and he fell the wrong way. Broke the code. It was a hard, it was a hard foul. Um her. But that was a, that was much more putting somebody in danger than what Jordan Poole. The Jordan Poole was it was just bad timing, uh, or great timing. If he tried, if again, if he tried to do it on purpose, I think if, even if you're Memphis and he takes somebody out like that, like you just have to stand back and applaud and say that was such an amazing time to no, you don't play. Have to, you're not going to stand you back do. and applaud. Your best player may be out, right? But you have to say like that was the greatest timing of all time on a play like that. So good job. I guess we just have to applaud that. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Live in the Finley Toyota Studios. I think that he's probably in the worst position out of these second-year quarterbacks for the, the relative expectation of this guy should go and play well because of what we put around him. That offensive line is still a poor unit. Like, my expectations for his performance level in the totality are probably the least out of all the six second-year quarterbacks that we have going into this season. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Dan Orlovsky talking about Justin Fields. We can get into that. It was a kind of a weird draft. You figure they'd go balls to the wall to get a bunch of offensive help, but uh, that was not the approach. Let's talk about the draft, and let's talk about some of the bigger issues around the National Football League. Mark Ross, NFL Network, a longtime a front office guy with the uh, Giants and the Eagles, a Princeton guy as well, is up with Cofield and Company. Mark, how are you? Great, great. Uh, glad to be, be on. All right, well, let's get into uh, some of the hot-button issues coming out of the draft. Well, I guess it's not a hot-button issue. We'll start out going local first. I know the Raiders didn't have a first and a second-round pick, but uh, they did collect some running backs. They uh, got some guys who can compete on the offensive line, a little more help uh, inside on the defensive line. What do you think of the Raiders draft? 
Well, it was, as you mentioned, it was all about the offseason for them. It was about DeAndre Hopkins' challenge. That was their draft for the most part. And But if you look at it, kind of how the Raiders have drafted the last few years, I know it's a different regime there. And But, you know, the first they, they've kind of whipped on the first and second round picks and done well in the later round. So this could be a good turnout to be a blessing for them in, in that, all right, we didn't have the, the, the top two guys, and but we've done well in the middle and late. So. Hope we get some starters out of there. And then when I look at it, you know, Dylan Parham, I think, just he's one of those guys I watch in college. is kind of ready-made. Just a, it will be a solid lineman that plays everywhere in the league. Is just a good player, and uh, some of the other ones are just kind of competitive, compete for jobs. Since he's a near white there in the fourth, which you know, kind of loaded backfield there. But uh, for the most part, you're just trying to get some depth and starters in the future. So for us, that was the biggest story: is uh, Zamir White and Britton Brown. And then signing Sincere McCormick last week, Brandon Bolden before that. You know, they have Jacobs, they have Drake. And like it's, we're starting to see Patriots West develop here with a philosophy that there probably isn't going to be a true bell cow. And there certainly is not going to be a guy who's making, you know, 11 or 12 mil plus at running back in the Ziegler McDaniels Raiders organization. I don't think. No, and, and that's just the nature. It's not just their philosophy, it's just kind of the nature. For the most part, going around the NFL now, where the the devaluing of the running back position, where they're just not getting taken high anymore, and uh, and then they're you just don't get you don't pay them anymore. We've seen a lot of busts with as far as second contracts in the last few years with top running backs. So yeah, you just kind of have the committee, and you got guys that do certain things well, and you just rotate them in there. And of course, it helps if you've got a great quarterback and and other pieces around you, playmakers around you, particularly with the Raiders, you have stud receivers and tight ends. So. That'll that'll be really the focus, and those running backs will really just play their position, do their role. Along those notes, I I just want to I've been talking about something, and I don't know how you'd get it done, but I want to get your thoughts on the fact that running backs are treated the way they are financially. I mean, you get that first deal, that rookie contract, and at the end of it, we're like, yeah, we've you've been beaten up too much over the last four years. We can't pay you now. Like it's really unfair. Do we have to find a way to get running backs paid sooner in this system? <laughs> well, I guess. I mean, I, that's all on the. You know, players' association and the players themselves will try to get that done. And obviously, teams won't be wanting to get that done. And, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just they're just those guys just aren't. They just don't come around often, and it's just not. And even you know, a guy like Saquon Barkley who was supposed to be the second coming, and he was the second pick, and he turned out to to be hurt and a, a kind of a non-factor the last couple of years. So teams look at that and they say, well, we're not going to keep repeating these mistakes, and we'll just we'll just go to another position and invest our resources in other positions. So, Mark, where are you on the whole wide receiver thing? Because there's clearly franchises that value receivers like the Raiders, you know, pay a guy $29 million a year. And, and other organizations, um, the Titans, the Ravens, were like, man, if we can get good traf- uh, draft capital back, we're not paying these guys 22 plus. Yeah, and that's, as you said, each team kind of values it differently. Where, And it's all about where that team is. For the Raiders, they think, all right, well, Devontae Adams can come in here and he's the final piece and he can get us to the Super Bowl. Whereas the Packers are looking at it as well, we've got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. We can do without Devontae Adams. We haven't he hasn't put us over the top the past couple of years. And you can kind of go down the list for Miami. Oh, Tyreek Hill is going to going to be the player that comes in to a tongue of Bailoa, and which to me is a bad philosophy when you when that's why you're signing a, a, a receiver. So there's all different ways the teams are looking at it, and it's really about how great you think your quarterback is and how well he can make other players around him better. So if you kind of look at look at it from that standpoint, the teams you mentioned, they think, okay, we'll move on. We've done it before. On to the next. 
whereas other teams are looking to either, one, get their team over the top, get to the Super Bowl, or two, kind of save a quarterback. Mark Ross, uh, analyst on NFL Network, is up with Cofield and Company. Is uh, he's part of uh, Total Access and NFL Now, and you got the schedule release coming up on Thursday at five o'clock our time on NFL Network. That'll be the entire 2022 NFL schedule. Back to the Packers for a second. Maybe I'm too high on these guys. I actually thought they managed the draft pretty well in getting Watson and Dubs. I got to cover Dubs up close a couple of times. I I think they got a couple of guys who have upside, and maybe one of them emerges as a you know a 50 or 60 catch guy this year. Well, that's the thing. They have upside, but how soon will they be able to unlock that? And will Aaron Rodgers in year one with these players be able to say, okay, you're the guy? And it's going to be receivers by committee there in Green Bay, and particularly for Watson, a lot of pressure is going to be on him just because where he was taken and he wasn't a first-round pick. Once again, Green Bay didn't take a first-round pick. And it's just how how quick can this guy go from North Dakota State to being being a man or being a, a threat? in that offense. And and then the pressure's on those first round picks too. You know, Wyatt and Quay Walker too to say, all right, once again, we should have tried to help Aaron Rodgers out, but instead we go defense, double down on defense. So those first three picks for the Packers, it's upside, but will that put Green Bay over the hump this year? So sorry, you guys did. I think you might have tweeted out the other day. Just different takes on which team should get the most primetime games when we do see the schedule coming up this week. <laughs> who who do you want to see the most on primetime? Yeah, I, they, that was an article we wrote. And when you this Kansas City, when you look at number one, just Patrick Mahomes in and just by himself, everybody wants to see him. Okay, now the AFC West, as you guys know, is absolutely loaded this year with all the new additions. It was good <laughs> before, but now it's just absolutely loaded with quarterbacks and then pass rushers, and now Devontae coming in there. So it's just must-see TV with any AFC West game. And then you look at the rest of the Kansas City schedule. I mean, they play a gauntlet. I, I, I mean, you can look at that schedule, and they play they play the Bills, they play Tampa, they play the Rams, they play Tennessee, the Colts. I mean, every single one of their games, I mean, they really don't have any breathers in it. Then you play Jacksonville maybe. and But for the most part, every game that they play is a must-see game. And it's it's going to be tough for them. I mean, obviously they're going to be right in the mix, but every game's going to be tough and, and must see TV. But it all starts with with Mahomes, and then they see West how good it is, and then they play all the top teams around the league. Should should the Chiefs still be the clear favorite? We see on the betting board that 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 they are, but the clear favorite of the AFC West should they be? I, I don't think clear. And, and as I mentioned, that schedule stuff. But if if any of those teams finishes first, it wouldn't surprise me. And if any finish last, I mean, that, that's kind of how tightly grouped they are. And just the, the margin for error is very slim with, with all of them. And you just look, even with the Raiders and what they were able to accomplish last year, despite historical distractions and historically poor circumstances to make the playoffs and then come a play away from winning a playoff game was just unbelievable. And now you look at the team with that confidence and you're hoping more talent and more playmakers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I can see them winning. But but even the Chargers with, with Justin and how well he's going to be Denver. Now here comes Russell. So I can see any team winning and, and somebody's got to finish fourth. So it, it's going to be fascinating this year. Yeah, it was, it's wild. We were just talking about uh, one of the local sports books here in town put up the entire Raiders season. And we're trying to read into that a little bit in terms of who's favorite and whatnot. But they have the Broncos as being a better team right now than the Chargers. I think that was my biggest takeaway from uh, from what this sportsbook kind of put out there. Uh, 
I, I don't know. I think that's really interesting to determine. You said, as you said, they're all bunched up. I think anybody can win, anybody can be last. But on paper, it seems like the Chargers might be slightly ahead of the Broncos, but that's not how they see it. Yeah, and and again, you can make an argument either way, but I think it's more the, okay, here comes Russell Wilson. And again, Denver was a tough team last year, despite playing with Teddy and Drew Locke, and well, now here comes a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and okay, this this puts us that much closer to winning the Super Bowl as opposed to we're just scra- scraping and clawing to hopefully get a playoff spot. So, again, an argument can be made, and, and it's going to be great once the season starts to see what, how it all plays out. Hopefully all those teams will stay healthy so we can see all those stars and all the competitiveness week in and week out. Mark Ross is with us on Cofield and Company from NFL Network. Are you a Nathaniel Hackett guy? <laughs> I mean, I, I just know his body of work. I, I don't know yeah. him very well. I know people that work with him, and they he's a good dude and funny and all that. So, hey, it, it's it, he'll. I'll be a Nathaniel Hackett guy. If Russell Wilson is the man. Russell Wilson. <laughs> I'll take. I'll take Russell Wilson and fifty other coaches you can have. Give me Russell or <laughs> Justin, and you can have the coaches. But time will tell if he, if he brings that team together and, and is a leader uh, for that. And that's going to be the biggest thing. It's more so than the X's and O's. Is, how you motivate those guys week in and week out with the in that division. Let's go back to where we started, and uh, I want to talk about the Raiders here in a second. Now that it appears uh, Bradbury is going to be released by the Giants, what kind of player is Bradbury? And I wonder what the market's going to be for him because uh, I would think anyone with money who's got at least uh, one uncertain spot at cornerback is going to make a run at him. Yeah, you know, he'll, he's a solid number two, maybe number three at this point okay. in his career. I think the Giants kind of overpaid him. He got – uh, that kind of got up. He did make the Pro Bowl with them, but if you really kind of watch him, I'm still in the area and I watch all the Giants games and kind of study him. You know, he's, he's he wasn't the fastest guy before, the most sticky kind of cover guy. He was more off a guile and smarts, and he's kind of lost the step. So, you know, I think a team at the right price will sign him if they've got some other corners that they feel confident about. But he's by by far not a number one, or I would even see kind of the playmaking two at this point in his career. It's just hey, let's bring in one of those veteran guys if we got a talented secondary to just be a solid piece to what we have. By the way, I cannot believe my partner Adam is not jumping in on the Ivy League stuff. Are you not going to You're not gonna sit here and start raving about, uh, think, about Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins? You're not going to start going crazy listen, with, with Mark, who's a Princeton guy? We know the best football minds come from, come from Yale. That's, that's a fact. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> is but, it call over with? Yeah, it's time to go. I think it's time to go now. From Yale. <laughs> that's oh. it. That's it. <laughs> also, are you are you an Archmere guy? Did you not see the Jason Garrett so, error in Dallas? Yeah. I mean, come on. That was brilliant. Let's, let's <laughs> never, well, never heard of him. Never no, you're gone. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, Mark, Mark, are you also an Archmere guy? Yeah, you dug deep there. You know, you can't know about Archmere. How do you know well, about Archmere? He does. Uh, he does. Yeah, uh, my, my my brother played for Sanford, so a uh, little rivalry, oh, okay. rivalry going back to high school and college. So it's good. I like wow. it. Wow, nice. Yeah, big time. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of lot of connections there. But no, uh, listen, I'm a, I'm a Mike McDaniel stan. Uh, there's no question. I cannot wait. Like him hanging out with the players this past week was great. I think he's going to be awesome in Miami. I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, well, they, you know, the guys definitely was, uh, is a out of the box kind of coach along the way. And certainly now, now there, and he, he, they did well. You know, who, how much of that genius was there with, with the 49ers and what they did kind of overcoming the, the Jimmy G obstacle. But yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how he works all those pieces together with, with Tyreek and, and Waddle and see if Tua can finally do a little something to help him out. Now, see, 
that's where my concern is because I've I've talked a lot the last couple of years about and don't don't take offense to this right about the kind of the nerds coming into football right now McDaniel played at he played some wide receiver at Yale but I, but I but I've talked about kind of the 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 big galoots like the traditional football guy like a Dan Campbell who's a giant guy and he's just you know he's he's a big galoot right and then the brainiacs and I just I wonder when if the Dolphins don't work early. If McDaniel's personality, like how that's going to be greeted by media and fans and and NFL people in general, you know what I mean? Well, and that's the thing with coaches. The best coaches I've been around, Andy Reid, Tom Coughlin, even those staffs that with the Eagles way back with John Harbaugh's on staff and the Ron Rivera's, and you know, great coaches kind of have a presence. It's not about X's and O's; it's the presence and how the players relate to them and how the players react to them. And I think that's what gets lost in most head coaching hires or the owners hire guys they like or comfortable with, but don't actually consult the people they got to coach. And that's the players. They got to, they've got to get motivated, not guys in suits sitting up in the suites. It's the players. So with McDaniel, yeah, it's cool and funny and doing all that kind of stuff (laughs) there, but that stuff will wear thin. But even a Dan, the Dan Campbell, where you saw some losses there, you know, wearing his heart on the sleeve and falling apart. Like that's just not sustainable week after week. So all different kind of motivational styles, but it's all about how, what those players buy into, and the guys that I've been around, that they've been consistent, they've had leadership, they've had presence, and they know how to motivate. So that's really, if I'm not in the locker room with Mike McDaniel, but I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that actually works down there, his style. Yeah, and building on that, this is a big analytics show. I'm not. I'm, I'm a little older, so I'm. Uh, I, I'm. I'm not uh, ready to jump in like the other guys. But they'll they'll defend McDaniel. They'll also defend Brandon Staley. Um, and I, but I do wonder with Staley, you know, if you have another year where hey, it looks like there are some games you could have won if you're not going for it on fourth and short every time. I just wonder how long a coach can drag his team along if they're not executing in those situations. No question, and that's what happened. Remember with the Chargers before, with Anthony Lynn was a coach when they boxed all those games at the end. It's like, okay, he's a more traditional football guy. Okay, now let's go the exact opposite right. of that. Let's go 180 and go with bring with the analytics guy, and you're seeing the same thing with that work, but it's just in a different kind of way where one guy's making it, you know, just not situationally not ready. The other guy's using the analytics to to a fault, and it's costing games. And I think it's a there's a mix of how you use everything at your disposal to make the right decisions. It doesn't have to be. A this way or that way, it's how do we use everything that we have to make the best decisions, whether that's in games, whether that's drafting players, signing for agents, use everything you have, and then use some feel. I think there is some part of it where there's some feel and, and experience and nuances to what happens in football. Last one for you, Mark. What do you think of Vegas for the draft? Actually, I was in L.A. I, oh, I was in L.A. Damn. in the studio working okay. out of there. I was actually glad. I've been to Vegas enough. And yeah. I actually got married in Vegas. And, uh, okay. That looked like a madhouse, and I didn't want any part of that. So I was <laughs> glad that I was there in a nice, comfort, comforting, uh, quiet, calm studio there for the, for the week. Your guess, are we in the rotation, if there is a rotation in the future? Uh, say that again. For the draft. Be are we in now? Are, yeah, are we now a permanent part of a rotation? If there is a rotation oh, for the draft, to host it? oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. of course. You, you know, I mean, you saw the spectacle that was. Whenever you can, the, the draft is becoming more and more of a spectacle as it is. But now you add it to uh, add it to Vegas, the biggest spectacle there is. It's, I mean, that's. <laughs> it looked it looked unbelievably. Uh, crazy there. The NFL Network is uh, the spot for the sked release on Thursday, so make sure you're tuned in. Uh, Mark, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Have a good one. There he is. Mark Ross, former uh, Giants exec, Eagles exec, working with NFL Network now.
You think we're in the rotation? Yeah. Do no we want to be in the rotation? Well, I, I, I saw I saw some interesting conversations about how we actually did. But I also wonder what our goals are when we bring events like that here. Right. I'll, I'll build on on the way back. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. So it's official. No John Morant for the Golden State game. Memphis and Golden State. Memphis and Golden State. Unless they're still playing games. No. He's out. Um, meanwhile, it's 54-51. Milwaukee is up on Boston. Ten minutes left in the third. They just gave out the dumbest tech ever. I mean, well, at what point dumber. does Giannis? What point does Giannis get treated like LeBron and other great stars, past and present? He he gave a look at Horford after a dunk, and Tony Brothers teed him up. Come on, it's big boy time here. Really, we're really giving out free throws for crap like that? I wish I could say it's the dumbest tech I've ever seen. I've seen dumber somehow, uh, but it was silly. I mean, he basically drove on the entire defense and dunked over like three guys and then stared them down like, you can't stop me. And they teed him up. And the look he gave the ref, he was like, come on, yep. man. What are you doing? Stick your hand in there, Dave. So we were just mentioning the draft and how Vegas did with it. And you started to say something, because I'm not exactly sure how we're measuring. When big events come to town, what's the most important thing? Well, it's, it's in people that gamble. Is it? That's why we have big events here, to bring people here. Now, I think it'd be argued, you bring people, they experience it, they come back. Right. Um, it's showing them a good time, so they return. Have you been around the NFL crowd? In general? <laughs> yeah. Is that a gambling crowd? Uh, do you think yeah. that's a, do you you think that's a you think that's a high roller crowd? No, not the a people high on the ground at the draft or at the Pro Bowl. No, Those are the roller. NFL events we've had here. Let's not talk about the Raiders games. No, it's be, it's gamblers. I mean, I'm sure they're okay. hitting the tables and, and I, do, I I don't think that that's a gambling like a, a high limit. No, it's not high roller gambling well, crowd. I think very few. I think here's the thing: you can't actually equate what all the TV coverage does and who that brings in the future. Right. And, and and again, people that come here that might w- want to come back. Now, it's not a high roller crowd. I don't think any event that you're going to have is going to be a high roller crowd that comes in. High roller is going to want less people here. They don't want to come when there's busy busy times. Um, I, heard, I heard a couple things. So I, I, the dealers but, I talked to uh, said, yeah, it wasn't a great gambling weekend, but they were both quick to point out the rates, the room rates were out of control. That that may have dissuaded some people from coming to town. Potentially, but I'd also make the argument like the, like – the draft was all day, three days in a row. Like, if you actually came for the draft, right. you were outside from you know 9 a.m. until midnight, yep. basically, and then you're going to bed and getting ready for the next day. Like, it does keep you away from the casino, which is something that was talked about, you know, 30 years ago. We don't want events like this because it keeps people away from the tables. We've adjusted and changed that, but that was absolutely the case here where people that were going to the draft were, were occupied all day, so they weren't going to be gambling. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Is Dana White going to reverse the decision on Charles Oliveira that cost him his title because he missed weight when there's all the supposedly there's a bunch of issues with the scales down in Arizona? No. He's not going to make a change. I mean, no, this affects the kid's career and his payday, doesn't well, it? As, yeah, it did. But as Justin Gaethje pointed out, he's like, well, there was four people that weighed in for title fights and three made it. 
Now, the, the issue... Didn't Dana White also tell you they're going to guard the scales? Yeah. Well, but because... They're going to put a security guard on the scales. Well... Not weigh them. Watch them. Different scales, right? So there's an official scale and there's a hotel scale. But the hotel one is the one that people use to see if they're on weight. So it has to be matched up. That That's important. But the hotel one, you've got fighters from all parts of the all parts of the world changing it to kilos and changing it over, switching it back and forth. So the official one is official. That wasn't tampered with. But the one at the hotel may have been, not intentionally, just people trying to figure out what their actual weight is. And they're saying, okay, we can't do that anymore. By the way, Arizona had a lot more issues. They weren't supposed to have weigh-ins when they had them anyway. They threw off their whole regulation. What a mess. 